And I, I make that um, distinction because there are plenty of people out here who they're the only one in the relationship that wants to make it work and they are harming themselves. They are sacrificing everything for a person who does not care, mm-hmm. who does not want to do that work also. for tuning in to the second episode of the Young, Black, and In Love podcast. I'm your co-host, Tayden. And I'm Jada. And we are young, black, and in love as hell. woo <laughs> And so we did previously record a second episode um, specifically focused on long-distance relationships. But um, we did a pre-recording before we you know, put out an official podcast talking about mental health and therapy. And um, it was really important to Jada for us to touch on that. So we kind of decided to mix mental health as well as long distance together into this one episode yes definitely and i think it's important because both of us suffered from like depression and anxiety when we were long distancing away from each other so it just all connects really well i agree yeah it really does um so where would you like to start me amor um we can start uh with the fact that um that we were together and we had this looming event of you going to Chile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell me about it. <laughs> tell us about it. Um, so you had to go to Chile. Originally, it was for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you ended up only going for six months, which was a relief for both of us, I would say. And for different reasons, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I studied abroad. Um, I didn't just go to Chile because... It's a rite of passage for my family. Um, no, I went to Chile because I majored in international studies. And um, as a requirement for the major, we did have to study in a different country for at least a semester. So um, like Jada said, I did have to be there for a year, but I ended up only staying for six months. And during that six months, it was very new. Um, everything was new, obviously. I'd never been out of the country. And then the first time that I left the country, I went and I stayed there for six months. It was intended to be a year, but like I said... And so during that time, um, you went through quite a bit, babe. Yeah, I did. Um, So, you know, our relationship was still kind of new. um, And, you know, we were still getting to know each other. And there was just like, we, I lived in situations that weren't the best while you were gone. And we had became so close so fast. And we spent every day together, every night together, pretty much. We spent so much time together and so when you left it was like losing the other part of me um during that time my mental health was just tested um i was living with two roommates might have been three but there were two roommates who really were just unstable in multiple ways um i had a roommate named ihab and he was from Saudi Arabia, and he loved antagonizing me. and Not because he was from Saudi oh, Arabia. No. Sorry, that's not what I mean <laughs> at all. However, he definitely, I mean, I think you said that he would, like, 
yell things or say things to you in Arabic that you didn't understand. Yeah. Um, he was a very sneaky individual. Yeah, and he tried to kick my cat, Eddie. And if you know me, my animals are my children, and I am mama bear about my kids. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I remember and- you <laughs> messaged me about that. It was quite funny. Yeah, and he hated Tayden for some odd reason. Yeah, that was really weird. I remember when like I would literally be hanging out with him and that Zach. And then one day when we all were like, okay, look, there's a lot of emotions. I was actually the person who was telling you to calm down most of the time when it came to him. And then we like sit down to have this talk. Then he's just like, I hate you, bro. And I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. Where's all this can't... anger coming from? Like nobody knew. I mean, maybe obviously he had to know. And I don't know if Zach knew, but... We didn't know. It was very new to us, but that's not what it's about. Yes. Um, and I would say the situation, living situation, got so bad that I had to make a complaint to the university. Mm-hmm. The university told me that um, he's had issues at multiple places that he had lived at to um, be safe, to watch my back. And, and I was talking to an individual in the university who I was very close to. Um, and he was just like, yeah, there's been reports on him, like, Watch your back, be safe, don't trust him. And so I was in a very scary living situation. Um, during that time also, I had gotten a concussion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which is that hilarious. That got the concussion, babe. Yeah, so it's an al- alcohol-related concussion, um, but I wasn't actually under the influence of alcohol. I had a friend who used to come over all the time. Her name is Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day she came over and she left a full bottle of tequila of Jose Cuervo at my house. Um, I had no intentions on drinking it, especially not by myself. That would have been next level. Um, But I had these like plastic bins and I stuck them on top of each other. You Um, stacked them? Stacked them, yes. Okay. Um, And that was not a stable situation. There were multiple times before I had the bottle on the top of these things that they had fallen over. Um, But I had had put the tequila bottle on top of the two stacked um, plastic bins, and I opened up a drawer, and then it got unstable, and then the drawer started to fall on me, and then the um, the bottle full of tequila, glass bottle, hit me in the side of the head and gave me a concussion. So that sucked. So and at that time, also, there's just literally so much that was happening all at once. Um, I had friends who like stop showing up for me in multiple aspects, work friends, friends that I had for a few years. Um, and so it was just a terrible time mentally. I started drinking a lot. Like, it was just a terrible time. So you're basically you're saying that you weren't coping very well. No, I was not. I was not in therapy. I was sleeping in bed all day, every day, barely eating, Yeah. drinking. <laughs> It was just a lot. And there's also a lot of stuff going on with other stuff that had happened before I had went to HSU um, in terms of, like, the bus crash. So that was a lot, too. Yeah, so there was definitely a lot on your plate. Um, And I think that it was really difficult to be there for you when we were, like, um, so many miles apart, but also so many time zones apart. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was it was very difficult to feel connected all the time or like I was being there for you. Um, but what are some ways that we did do that to make sure that we were there for each other? I mean, we, we what do we do? We talked on the phone a lot. Yes, we texted a lot. We texted. Um, there was also an app that we used that 
allowed you to watch like a Netflix movie or a TV show together and you could like type chat to each other through that little app it was a extension on Chrome mm-hmm. uh, we also had this app that you would put your finger on it when you missed your person and then it would light up and like vibrate when the other person put their finger on there yeah it was called a thumb kiss yeah very corny um but yeah we we did try so many things to just make sure that we felt like we were still together you know um and i think that what really helped overall was that i wasn't i'm not an extremely extroverted person Mm -hmm. to where i'm going out making a lot of friends and you know, going to parties and and none of that really intrigued me. I, I used to go to um, La Discoteca or El Discoteca. I don't know. I really need to practice my Spanish. <laughs> I used to go to the discotheque, y'all. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting because this club was actually um, a, the club was actually originally an under underground gay club, so there were definitely a lot of like, you know, queer people there. Um, but the music was, it was all in English, by the way. All of the music was English. It was like early 2000s music. I mean, like Britney Spears and NSYNC and, uh, you know, and they'd be looking at me like, this is your music, Tate. And I'm like, <laughs> not at all. Right. <laughs> you know, oops. I remember um, introducing one of my one of my roommates to Big Sean. Um, <laughs> by, <laughs> you're remembering what yeah. I mean. Yeah. And uh, he, they were just obviously they couldn't understand exactly what the music was saying because even that particular roommate, um, I, I've lived with two Chileans, they he knew English, he could read it, okay, but speaking in English or um, yeah, just speaking in English and definitely not rapping in English, like it's just it's different types of language, you know. But mm-hmm. I just remember introducing them to Big Sean, and he was he just thought a lot of the music was funny because. When you say things and you exaggerate what the music is saying, it just sounds funny. It just sounds funny. But anyways, yeah. So I was in Chile and we were we were coping pretty okay. I would say like mm-hmm. as far as our relationship, I think you were struggling individually and I was struggling individually. Yeah. Which is also a part of what made me come back early, is I I just wasn't feeling I don't know connected to what was around me. I think um, my perspective is that Chileans are very um close to the people that they already know and and nice very nice uh very they feel like because even though you're a stranger they're still much more willing to assist you versus the people in the u.s we Mm -hmm. definitely look at people like well what do you want me to do about it or you know we'll walk past somebody who needs help um but intimately getting into a friend group is really difficult there um people the roommates that i had they still hung out with their friends from high school you know, people that they knew 10, 15 years ago, and they didn't have new friends. Like, that, yeah, that wasn't a thing. and they were older, too. Yeah, they were, well, in their 30s, mm-hmm. so not too much older. I mean, I guess I was not even, I was 20. Yeah. I just feel so much older than I am. That's the <laughs> thing. I, I always forget that people are much older than me. But, um, but I think that really, you know, made a difference. I was very connected to them, but not in general, especially not to the university and also having been struggling with going to college anyways because I really didn't want to go to college anymore yeah you were definitely ready to drop out yes various and and it wasn't like the work was too hard I was mm-hmm. getting bad grades like I excelled in school right he got like summa cum laude no no magna magna, magna. magna. okay magna whatever it is yeah summa cum laude I think that's better I don't know um I didn't even know until I got my diploma and I was like oh I got high honors cool <laughs> and it was just very it wasn't you know didn't mean anything to me 
but um, I was ready to be into the real world, to be an adult already, start mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur yeah. and stuff like that. So I came back to um, Arcata. I finished my Actually, last semester. I want to mention that we didn't mention the first time we recorded this, how I surprised you when you flew back to America. <laughs> that sounds funny <laughs> when you flew back to America. It only sounds funny because I was in South America. Yeah. Oh, so when I flew true. back to the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you did surprise me. You were like hiding in the backseat of the car. Yes, his mom down. and her husband came to pick him up. And I was like, oh, can I come? And I just like, his mom went inside the airport to find him because he was taking forever and he didn't have like cell phone service. I think you still had your Chilean phone. I know. I was asking people if I could use their phone. It was a struggle. It was yeah. a struggle getting back to the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I just laid in the back of the seat and then popped up when I noticed that he was there. And it was the best thing ever. Yeah, like, I was, I was, it was a pleasant surprise because I didn't I didn't know when I was going to see you again. Like, I knew, obviously, I was in the U.S. I was going to see you. But, like, to know that you were going to be there, I mean, I was. it was just so nice to hug you and be in your arms and you know physically reach out and touch you after not being next to you for so long i think that um what we've both learned about ourselves and our relationship is that being physically close to each other is really important Mm -hmm. it's definitely more important to you than it is to me yeah because i'm very much the type of person that like i focus on what's happening in my day-to-day life Mm -hmm. and so if you're not there if you're not in my face like i might not talk to you very often or i might not I might not feel connected to you because you're not here. Right, right. I mean, and isn't physical touch also your love language? It is, but I think I've decided that I have other love languages that are a little bit more important than that. But yes, it definitely has been one of my number one love languages. Okay, and it definitely isn't my love language. (laughs) I definitely prefer not to be physically touched sometimes. I'm just like, oh, I can't breathe. You're too close. (laughs) (laughs) Quite literally. No, but um, but yeah, so I came back. You surprised me. I ended up being in Arcata for a semester. That semester, actually, I mean, there were things that happened, like we got a Kia together and the Kia got totaled. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really difficult and, and something that we had to work through together that we didn't really end up working out until we actually went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to fast forward this a little bit, but during during the time period, I think it was that semester, um, or maybe it was before, actually, before I went, I saw therapy on campus at HSU. So there's a thing at HSU, Humboldt State University, um, called CAPS. It's like Mm -hmm. counseling. And psychological services. That sounds like the acronym, CAPS. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just going (laughs) to agree with you. Um, So yeah, it's called CAPS and they, you know, you get basically it's therapy for free, but it's so many students, so little therapists, not a lot of options. They definitely don't match you up with the best person. Um, they really, at that time, didn't have very many options. It no. was... It was like three people, three or four. Yeah, it was very monochromatic. Yeah, there were definitely <laughs> a lot of... They were all white. Let's just be yeah. honest. Like, they were all white. But interestingly enough, I've only had, like, long-term or, you know, yeah, where I've had multiple sessions with a white woman therapist. Yeah. When I was younger, I had therapy when I was, like, 14 or 15. And... um she was a white woman, but she was pretty cool. I, I enjoy people, and I guess when you get to know me, like if you're a therapist and when you're a teenager, a lot of times you're like, I don't want to be in therapy, so I'm going to act like I don't want to be here. you know. But I think she learned that I enjoy conversation, like not mm-hmm. a therapy session. Don't just sit there and like ask me questions about my life. And what we learn now is that there's different types of therapy. Right. So maybe she realized the type that I needed. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, um, but yeah, so I had her. 
I don't even remember her name, but I enjoyed talking to her. And then the one that I had at HSU, she was just utterly terrible. Just, oh my gosh. She would literally ask a question and then sit there silently. Yeah. I I had a few sessions with her too, and I was just like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like, why am I spending my time here? (laughs) It was really weird. And then I remember something came up about like Black Lives Matter. And she's just like, she just went into this very much, uh, I am so sorry that you know, it, it's just, I don't, when, when, you know, when you're in therapy, what you don't want is your therapist to take up the space, yeah. um, especially like when your therapist is a white person, you're just like, I don't want your feelings to take up the space that my feelings is supposed to hold. Right. You know, this is not about you being sorry for your ancestors and <laughs> the current state of the world, but it's about how it's affecting me. And so she just was terrible at that. And then, you know, Lauren, I'm just going to skip everybody else because they were they didn't matter, but right. Lauren's been actually great, and so um, yeah, we've we both have had various stints with therapy, but I would say that Lauren has been the best therapist. Well, my best therapist. Oh, my best the, therapy too. Okay. Therapist too, and and we found her on Regain, which we'll talk about. You can um, talk about it. Now. Okay, well, um, we started therapy after our second round of long distance. Yeah, Tayden had graduated HSU. I still had a semester. Um, and so when he graduated, he decided to move back down to LA for, um, a little bit of time, um, with his mom. And so that again was, I think about a six month period of us being apart. Yeah. Well, yeah, I went in August and then we moved here in January. So yeah, about five months, five, six months. So. But yeah, that was that was very difficult. I you know I graduated from from HSU, moved down to um, Los Angeles, and I just was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm about to be a millionaire. This is just gonna work out. I joined this um, multi level marketing or uh, network marketing company that my grandmother and my uncle were in, and it was great. I love spending time with my grandmother. Honestly, if I could see my grandmother every single day, I would. Literally. You literally would. I absolutely I would. I don't even want to change my Instagram photo because this was my grandmother. But I'm I know that I'm gonna have to here <laughs> in the future pretty soon. But um, you know, I joined this this multi level marketing <coughs> I'm so sorry. This multi level marketing company and um it just didn't work. Wow. <laughs> it just did not work. Like, you know, they say if you're if the system's not working for you then you're not working the system. I was working the system. I was trying to talk to people, talking to random people. But, you know, it's so difficult to be a young person, a young black person at that, selling, essentially, financial services. Mm-hmm. And then what I didn't appreciate is, like, the backdoorness of it, where it's like, hey, I have this product that I think will help you. And it's like, don't you think this is helpful? Well, if this is helpful, then don't you think that there are people in your life who need it too? <laughs> well, if you think so, don't you want to be the person that helps them and saves them? Like, it's just, it's all of this just a subtle way of like getting you into this thing that is just not what it's cracked up to be right. at all, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I ended up doing that. That didn't work out. I was really broke, extremely broke. And depressed. And yeah, well, that comes with brokenness yeah. a lot of times. <laughs> not having money, not having gas. Like, I mean, at this time I got my first car that you were so gracious to buy me, you know, that I, well, I'm gracious that you bought, grateful that you bought grateful. it, yeah. grateful that you bought me. Um, even though that was not the best thing for our relationship, like it, mm-hmm. it was something that we had to work through, struggle um, through. 
Yeah, but we worked through it, though. We did. In the we moment, did. we struggled through it, but once we got into therapy, we were able to work through it, right? Yeah. And so that's also another reason why we talk about, like, therapy so much is because we've gone through stuff that we didn't know how to work through, and then we're just like, let's go to therapy. Like, one of Jada's favorite things before, not now because our therapist is on maternity leave, <laughs> she would literally, we'd be talking about something, or, you know, maybe a couple of days has passed, and we haven't gotten to the solution that we both feel is good enough. And so then Jade is just on her phone. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm emailing Lauren. We need a, we need a session. <laughs> and I would do that because sometimes it's like, it's like it's not even about the argument. Sometimes it's about, I don't know how to formulate my own opinion or my own that. thoughts. Yeah. So it's like, I know something is bothering me. I know that I don't like how this conversation is turning out, but I don't know how to change it. And I don't know what the underlying issue is. Because usually there's another underlying issue. Mm-hmm. As we um, we talked about the one that we're not sharing, um, there are... <laughs> the one that shall not be named. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's a secret. It's not, y'all. It just really don't sound good. No, there's cats running around and flipping and doing all kinds of stuff in the I background. I know, and even right now, I feel like I can hear the air conditioning, but we're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's primary emotions and secondary emotions that we learned through Lauren... Um, and the therapy she uses is, I think it's called emotion focus therapy. Mm-hmm. It is, because um, I don't like emotion focus. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so there's primary emotions, which are like, I'm feeling alone, I'm feeling vulnerable, I'm feeling um, sad, I'm feeling abandoned, um, I feel like I'm not being listened to. And then there's the secondary emotions where you're just like, I'm angry. And mm-hmm. so what you really need to do is dive deeper on what your emotions are. Do you know any other secondary emotions? I really can only think of anger. I think that's because that was yours. That's, yeah. that's really what I'm pointing out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was always angry. Um, but yeah, back to the topic of um, of us getting into therapy. Um, we, I think for me, and this time around, I had a good support system of friends when you left this time, the second time, because I had stolen all of Tayden's friends when he <laughs> left. Yeah. Um, and they became my support system and, like, literally saved my life. And they kept me sane while Tayden was gone for the second stint of six months. But our then our issues became worse. And it was just, like, instead of my mental health being crappy because of what I'm going through away from you, it was that we were, you know, fighting, we were arguing, we weren't communicating well. Yeah. Um, and so we got to the point of, like, well, I'm going to graduate soon, um, but, you know, are we moving to California? Are we moving to Nevada? What are we going to do? And my thing was, like, it's clear that our communication isn't working, so we need to do some type of therapy. If we're going to move together, if we're going to keep having this relationship, we need to do therapy. Yeah. And, I mean, I wasn't against it a lot. I had to say, because I was moving to Vegas with no job and no money, is, are you going to pay for it? And and that wasn't even, you know, like, I wasn't joking, because I'm like, I, I'm not able to. But once we got to that point, I think we both, like, we both paid for therapy once we could, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, once we got Lauren off of, because we started on Regain, mm-hmm. which is, was like the couple's um, version of BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started on um, Regain, and then... Um, we eventually got off a of regain. Did why? Did, I don't even know how we got off a of regain. Because it was expensive to 
pay all at once yeah all and at we once. didn't oh yeah we didn't really need a whole like we weren't going weekly right so she let us like come off and go into her own platform yeah which i mean it was it worked fine for me we didn't really use a text mechanism and all mm-hmm. that stuff anyway so yeah um, and i had actually used better help for individual therapy um oh yeah with the lady who thought i was a narcissist yes <laughs> yeah i'm a narcissist apparently <laughs> y'all like how do you she just yeah. She just had a lot of opinions and really caused a lot of issues for me because I'm someone who's easily like influenced. my yeah, easily influenced. So she would just be like, "Well, you're the youngest child in the family. Why are you doing X? Why are you doing Y? Be angry at people." Like yeah. it was just she was feeding me a lot of bad information. And she even told me that when she was in school, um they told her that she was going to have to watch out for like giving her opinions all the time. Which I should have saw that as a red flag. If, Absolutely. If, if they're telling you you're not prepared in your schooling, <laughs> maybe you're not prepared. Yeah. But yeah so then, um, so I had that that association with BetterHelp, and then we decided to do Regain, um, and then, you know, I was enjoying um, Lauren, Lauren a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I was telling Lauren kind of the things that the therapist that I was using was saying, and she was like, "That's not correct." That's not okay. That's yeah. kind of unethical. I know, but the thing about Lauren, she's like, I really probably shouldn't be saying this, but you know, I probably wouldn't do like you know, she wasn't trying to step on the other ther- uh, the other therapist's toes, but she was also trying to caution you as to like don't take on this person's opinion of like your life, mm-hmm. and because a therapist is not supposed to give you their opinion about what's happening in your life and tell you what to do. Half the time when I'm like you know, talking to Lauren, she's helping me work through stuff. She's asking questions that I wouldn't have thought of to ask. Or, um, yeah, making me dig deeper, right? Because like you said, sometimes it's not even about the secondary or primary emotion. It's about the first thought. Like the first thought is that, you know, this is how I see it. And she's like, okay, well, what makes you see it that way? You know, like just helping you dig deeper. And that's really, in my opinion, what therapy should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, So you ended up switching over to Lauren. Yeah, as individual. Um, you broke up with your therapist in a you know very oh, awkward God. way. Yeah, <laughs> she took it hard. Like I still feel bad about it for this day. Because I think she thought y'all was friends too. Yeah, and she was like a white woman who had a mixed child, and so like I feel like she felt connected to me as kind of like a daughter because she had a mixed daughter and I'm mixed. Mm. You know. Mm. Um. But yeah, she just she was just shocked like she didn't even have words and she's like you know it's not about me like you're not breaking up with me it was just like yeah she was was talking to herself i remember you coming out of the room and you were just like that was weird (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i'm glad we found lauren so we we proceeded to use her we ended up um you know coming to vegas living with your mom and bill for a little bit which is kind of like your stepdad Mm -hmm. and then we um bought a house Mm -hmm. and that was a really big step I remember us talking about that and we decided to do it because we were like we could have a mortgage that's less than rent and our mortgage is less than rent right now like if we were living in a three-bedroom two-and-a-half bathroom apartment or townhouse that we didn't own or home whatever may be our rent would be you know probably like almost two thousand dollars in Nevada um, which probably in California that doesn't sound like a lot, but (laughs) but that's a lot for Nevada standards yes especially with the minimum wage being like it's eight. Well, it might be nine twenty five now. I don't know, but when we moved here, it was eight twenty five. Yeah. And there were legit people trying to pay me eight twenty five. I was like, yeah, I'm not calling you, but I don't need no interview. Eight twenty five. That was actually what I made for my first job. 
in California. Like, I was 16 making 825. Mm. But anyways, <laughs> like, We always you know, go on tangents. Yeah, hey, it's fine. Um, so we were in therapy, and I think that, for me, therapy really helped me understand, like, how I react. Because what people think and what a lot of men think is that reacting, not reacting, not doing anything is not a reaction. But there's literally, there's literally nothing that's not an action. And that sounds weird. It sounds like a convoluted sentence. But what I'm saying is that even the choice not to act is a choice and is an action. Mm-hmm. Inaction is action, right? Yeah. In, in some type of way. So what I was doing when we would get into our argument is I was shut down and I wouldn't speak and I wouldn't, I just couldn't do anything. Yeah, but he would withdraw all emotions, mm-hmm. all feelings, all happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I literally felt like shrunken into myself, sunk into myself, and I I don't even feel connected to myself when that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had to understand like, okay, what does my reaction look like to us or to me, right? Like what's happening? And then understand, okay, what's actually happening inside of me versus what's happening outside. And I had so many thoughts. Like I could literally be screaming in my brain all of my thoughts and all my feelings, and my face is stoic. Mm-hmm. I don't feel. I don't look like I'm feeling anything. Yeah. So for us, when we first started therapy, it was really, or for me rather, it was about bridging the gap between what I'm feeling and what I'm doing, and not in a way like if I'm screaming in my mind, I'm screaming out loud. More of in the way of if I'm feeling something, communicating that feeling. Mm-hmm. Because what I learned is that when I'm not when I'm retreating, right? Because it's that whole thing is called retreating and pursuing. Jade is the pursuer. I'm the retreater. So when I'm retreating, Jade is feeling abandoned. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn that you, how you feel, is also important in the situation, right? Because I think that a lot of times when, when couples get into arguments, they are really focused on how they're feeling in the argument, right? And when you step outside of yourself, step outside of how like something like being so focused on what you feel, how that person made you feel and and what they said to you and everything like that and just making yourself the center when you put both of you at the center. Matter of fact, when you put the other person at the center, you start to realize that they too are in the situation and they're also being affected by it. Mm-hmm. So I had to remember that you're being affected by me retreating. Therefore, I had to work on making my retreating time less and less. Not to say that I don't I didn't retreat in the beginning. But instead of retreating for a few hours, retreating for two, then one. And then communicating to you, like, we can talk about this, but not right now. Right. Take a pause. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Taking a pause. But, and, yeah, just communicating with you. You know, mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm feeling like I'm retreating, and I promise you we can talk about this when the clock strikes four. Mm-hmm. You know, like, giving myself a timer, too, because without that timer, there was never an end. Right. The end was when it faded away. Mm-hmm. And that could take forever. Right. But yeah, so through that, you know, I learned that I was the retreater and you learned that you were the pursuer. Mm-hmm. So what did you learn? I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that or. Um, I was going to say, yeah, and a, a pers- pursuer is someone who was just like, talk to me, pay attention to me. Like, I need your full attention. I need you to speak to me. Um, and so I also had to learn, like, to give Tayden space. Like, you know, it's important for him to come out of his retreating, but it's also important for me to not 
and bombard him with questions. That mm-hmm. was also a huge thing. Um, I would yeah. ask so many questions trying to get something out of him. And so I really had to learn to step back um, and just learn how to, we both had to learn how to communicate to make sure that the other person still felt loved and cared for and not overwhelmed. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the dichotomy of like being a um, retreater and a pursuer is that when the pursuer, no, when the retreater becomes the pursuer, the pursuer becomes the retreater. Mm-hmm. Then, then we switch. And I know that we've experienced that before. Oh, I'm yeah, just like, definitely. I'm like, okay, now I'm this extremely open person. Like now, I don't think I retreat. No. I really don't retreat. You know, maybe unless like there's something major that happens, um, I may feel so overwhelmed with the way that I feel. But I still find a way to communicate that I just can't speak right now. You know, like I still, I'm able to cope differently. Um, but then you are the retreater or no. So yeah, when I, re- I retreated, you know, very rare now, but then now I'm just like, okay, babe, let's talk about it. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. We here, let's talk about it. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't want to, or something that we, you know, more recently went through is that you saying, um, yeah, that you don't want to talk about it. And I'm just like, you never want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you want so badly to stop getting in arguments or, conversations whatever you want to consider it it's just like it's just like you just get overwhelmed and tired of it Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so I mean I think that what was most important for us in finding and in going to therapy was really it was all about communication like I think that's what therapy teaches you is how to communicate properly your feelings Mm -hmm. um, to other people and yeah, and just, just communicate those feelings. And then when you're doing it with someone, like and a partner who's also learning that, it makes a world of a difference because right. you're going through this growth together. Now, sometimes when you're an individual who's going through therapy and then you're communicating with someone who's never been to therapy, it's so stressful. <laughs> right, you go to therapy because the people around you won't go to therapy. Exactly, <laughs> right? And that's what Lauren always reminds us. She's like, well, you're the only person in therapy, right? Like, you're, you're my, my client. I can't help them. Mm-hmm. So when you go into therapy and, you know, you're just like, I'm just mad at this person because they did this or they did this or they did that, your therapist can only help you work on you because right. they're not there. There's nothing that they can do about what that person did to you, um, whatever whatever the situation is, you are the only person that can be worked on. Right. So um, I just think that, you know, that was really important too because even as we've gone to individual therapy, we have learned that in a particular situation, like with Lauren, um, she can only help us because we're the only person in front of her, you know? So, right. like, even when I'm, I'm complaining about you and she knows you, she can still only help me. Right. She can't be like, you know what, I'm going to talk to Jada because she was wrong. Like, <laughs> one, she would never do that. But two, you know, um, she yeah, she's helping me work on myself. Yeah. And I think um, us going to therapy after having our two long-distance stints has made it so that if we ever have to do it again, even though we really don't want to, I think we have better skills mm-hmm. to be able to cope yeah. as individuals and as a couple. I agree. Because we were definitely missing that the first two times. Yeah. I mean, when you grow up and you don't necessarily have, like, you know, extremely healthy um, examples around you all mm-hmm. the time of what it's like to be in a relationship. Because I think most people, when they think long distance, they think out of sight, out of mind. They think of all the things that can go wrong. And just the idea of being in long distance relationships breeds fear mm-hmm. people are afraid that if you leave them if you're not physically there then you're gonna not be 
mentally, spiritually, you know, there's never, there's not going to be a connection between you two. So um, that's really something that our society teaches us, you know, that yeah. we have like we have to be physically close. I think we have a society that's um, that is really focused on like possession. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say like I wasn't as worried about you when you were in Chile, but I was definitely worried about you living in L.A. Just feeling like insecurities of of, you know, your past relationship yeah. and, and stuff like that. But I know now, like, I can trust you. Oh, I have yeah. no fear of you going out with people. I have no fear because I know that what we have is true. It's real. We have fought to be here together. Yeah. We continue to fight daily. Yeah, absolutely. We show up and we do the work. And I mean, honestly, the only time that I go, when I go out with people, which is very rare. I know, like, I go out with people more than Exactly, <laughs> you really do. Like, you do one with friends. But um, when I go out, I'm in, I'm usually with you. And then you the one who I'll be looking at people with. So, like, don't act like we Wait, don't be. what? We look at people together. Oh. <laughs> that is the truth. We're we going to put it out there. So, like, when it comes to being worried that I'm looking at somebody, it happens with you. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you can look. Don't touch. Exactly. I think that's another thing that people get wrong in their relationship is thinking you get in the relationship with somebody and suddenly you're blind. Right. Nah. There's there's some fine-ass people walking around this world. Exactly, right? And they're attractive and there's nothing wrong with noticing their attractiveness. Mm -hmm. It's going beyond that when you don't have those that permission in your relationship that makes it wrong. Right. But um, we don't have to get on polyamory and monogamy and all that <laughs> stuff right now because that's a whole different, you know, situation. But, um, but yeah, so going to therapy has really helped us. I mean, even be able to have this conversation. Right. You know, because we had that conversation about polyamory and then we were just like, let's go to therapy, you know? Yeah. And then we were able to talk through and get to the point where we're just like, you know what, that's not the best option for us. Right. Because that's not truly what we wanted. That's not right. what we needed. And I, so going to therapy has helped us uncover in various situations what's really needed. Mm-hmm. So I want to back up a little bit because I wasn't originally going to Lauren as a solo client. Mm-hmm. Um, you had her. We had her together. Then you had her. And then you kept telling me, just go to Lauren. Just go to Lauren. But I'm like, I can't afford it. But there became a time where I could not afford it. Like it was, yeah. you know, showing up in our relationship so much that I had to, I'm sorry, this air conditioning is really getting to me. Mm-hmm. Do you hear it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so there had there became a point where I had to um, go to therapy alone. And so I remember one of the, the hardest thing, I think you went away, this is when your work were packed. And I think you went away and I was to just- To Tahoe? I don't know where you went. Was I gone for an extended amount of time? It felt like it, I don't okay. know, baby. So it was either Tahoe or LA. Okay, so you went away. <laughs> And um, I found it so difficult, and I was, you know, communicating with Lauren about just us and and you being me feeling like nurtured and loved by you, mm. um, because I think that for like for me, it's important for me to feel like there are um, <laughs> there are what is what is that called like not gifts? What's the other acts of service? Acts of service. That's very yes. that that makes me feel like you are caring for me. Doing acts of service, small things like oh I got a blanket for you, oh I, you know I I I thought about you and I did this so that you could do that like acts of service are really big for me yeah. and I think that makes me feel very nurtured and in my previous relationship there were a lot of acts of service 
because I don't know. That's just maybe that was her love language too. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But um, I felt like that was something that we were missing. And so I felt like I was worried, like, Emma, is it that I'm not here with Jada? Like, is this, obviously, I don't want that crazy lady, mm-hmm. but what do I want? What do I need? And so I was able to go to Lauren, and she helped me work through that what you're not feeling is nurtured. Mm-hmm. What you're not feeling is cared for in a way that's really important to you, which brought us to, I feel like maybe it was around the same time that we ended up listening to the um, Five Love Languages book. Because mm-hmm. we'd already kind of knew about the love languages, but we hadn't actually, like, listened to the book right. or read the book or anything like that. Right. Um, and what are the five love languages? Um, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, and... Did you say physical touch? I did say physical touch. Acts of service, physical touch, quality time? Quality time is okay. the last one. So my biggest love languages are quality time and acts of service. Mm-hmm. And mine, based on those five, is um, physical touch and words of affirmation. Yeah, you think? I think yeah. you like gifts. Okay, yeah. But there's also been an expansion of that, of like other love languages. And there's a food love language, y'all. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes because leave it to you, baby love, to bring up food. And so I think that's really my love language of like you going out, and like leaving and then you just deciding to like bring me home like some chocolate or like like I feel superbly loved when you bring me home a snack. That's a good coffee. That's a good Yeah, gift. it is. But it's also food. Okay. <laughs> the foodies gotta get, you know, particular with the food. I think it's a gift. And I think yes, you're absolutely right. You're always like, Did you bring me something? And I'm like, <laughs> Did you ask for something? <laughs> I'm like, he should just stop off at coffee class on his way home. Yeah, and let me borrow your car right quick. <laughs> no, but um, I think though, since I've picked up on that, I've had try, I've had, I have tried to give you more gifts and bring mm-hmm. home small things. Like my favorite thing is free stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna eat it, but Jada will. So like, I'll still take it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take that juice. I'll take that, you know, muffin. And then I tell Jay, like, I got you something. I got you a surprise. And then I come home and I'm like, boom, free muffins. <laughs> and I am so happy. And I right. do feel so freaking loved. Like, And I tell you that. I'm just like, wow, thank you. I really appreciate this. Right. I and I'm happy, so too, because I don't have to spend my money on it. <laughs> so it's like a win-win situation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we really got to, like I said, I, I went to therapy. able to. We were able to understand each other's love languages and from understanding that like we've been able to actively feel fulfilled mm-hmm. i think that's something that i used to actually kind of not like for you to ask but like how what do you say how full is your tank or yeah and like that, that that was part of the book of like how full is your love tank or something like that mm-hmm. um and of course it's annoying but it's just like we gotta check in like especially because we were in a spot where Sometimes neither of us felt loved. Like, if my love language is physical touch and you don't like to be touched and you feel overwhelmed, mm-hmm. then it's just like, well, then you got to check in to see how much love have you doled out this week for, to make me feel full. Yeah. And same with acts of service. If acts of service is not my forte, which it was not for a long time, but I think I've gained and learned. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had to check in with you to see if you were feeling loved because... If you don't do that, then your partners could possibly be unhappy and you don't know about it. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, um, 
you are really great at telling me or helping me remember to apply the things that we learn Mm -hmm. because you're gonna ask me pretty much verbatim (laughs) what the book said to ask and I think that because I don't know I just my nature is to go against the grain it is it really is like it's my nature is like okay they want me to ask this question this particular way I don't want to like I don't want to word it that way like I'm it's, it's really stupid and I'm really working on it but um, you ask him, you know, like, how full is your love tank? I'm like, that is an annoying sentence. I don't want to talk about it, you know. But in all reality, I just have to say, you know, it's full or it's not full. Or, you know, I could I could use a little bit extra loving or whatever, you know. But you are you do really great at making sure that we apply the stuff that we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, really quickly, I know that, you know, we've been talking for quite a bit. But I just wanted to point out that in the beginning of therapy, one of the first things we did was we had to – figure out what our cycle was mm-hmm. right because there is a point at which something happens that triggers us and then I do something and you do something or one of us does something that leads to the other person do, doing something and then that person does something and it just kind of keeps us in this cycle mm-hmm. right so that would usually look like me saying something to you and then you getting mad mm-hmm. and then you're mad so then I shut down and now then because I shut down now you're even more pissed off mm-hmm but then you're pursuing me. And because you're pursuing me, I'm shutting down more. And because I'm shutting down more, you're more pissed off. So it's like this whole cycle that we had to map out. And um, we mapped it out. Lauren gave us a worksheet. And then you, uh, she told us that we needed to like disrupt the cycle. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the cycle, you, someone needs to say, we're in our cycle. <laughs> I don't know how many times, y'all, I said, Tayden, can we just stop having this conversation? We're in our cycle. I know. We're in I'm, our cycle. Do you realize we're in our cycle right now? I know. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm so frustrated because I'm like so stubborn and wanting to feel the way that I feel and wanting to like go the way that I wanted to go, which is the norm, right? It felt comfortable even though it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. It was a very comfortable cycle. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really realize is that they're in a cycle of two like things happening back to back to back, right? It's the same thing. It's the same argument happening over a different topic. And it's the same actions happening in different circumstances. And without identifying that, you're not able to really understand how to get ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. You good? Yes. <laughs> it is a little late now, so we're kind of tired. I will say that. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that that was a major part for us, like like I've said previously, just about identifying how do we feel. Like therapy literally, it just makes you so self-aware. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And not just in the relationship that you're going to therapy for. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, for all relationships. Like, I'm just thinking about stuff that I don't want to talk about right now. Okay. <laughs> and no, that's absolutely true. And I think that, one long-term effect like I haven't had a therapy session since before we got married so maybe at the beginning of August maybe what's the month before July maybe yeah the end of July I think and so um it's been like almost it's been like six months half a year now Mm -hmm. but I'm still able to apply those principles of being like self-aware so I was I've been recently thinking about a situation I'm just like how am I being complicit in this in my own suffering Mm -hmm. how am I making it so that this thing is continuously happening to me and how do I stop it because I can only control my actions but if I'm acting in a way that's helping this then 
it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that therapy has really just made me more self-aware of how can what can I do to change to make it better for me? Because once again, we can only control our actions. Right. So when you're in therapy and you're able to understand that, it's not that that person is making you suffer. For lack of a better sentence, I, I don't know how else to say this, you're choosing to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no matter what the situation is, you're gaining something out of it. If it's a negative situation, you're mm-hmm. gaining something out of it. Even if it's if, a positive, yeah, you're gaining something. Yeah, because with the negative one, to, to explain that, I would say like you're gaining the reinforcement mm-hmm. of like this a, person is terrible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's still reinforcing something that you want to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth of the matter is, in in many situations, is that you don't have to be in the situation. Right. So while that person may be negative, you are allowing them to be negative in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all in all, it's still your fault. Um, and even when it comes to certain situations that are very like, like with family, I find family very difficult because I grew up in a, a very close knit family. So setting boundaries, you know, feeling like I want to have different, be different, um, is often hard for me. But I'm able to understand that it by not setting boundaries i'm being complicit in my own suffering mm-hmm. or complicit in you know being upset about a particular thing so i can only blame myself i literally had that thought coming home today blame nobody but yourself because you're the person who's letting this happen mm-hmm. definitely so i don't mean to go on a tangent and you <laughs> know that's really a revelation for me but i hope it's useful to y'all too because in any given situation like jada said you stand to gain something out of it you want that person to be bad. You want that job to be terrible. You want, you know, the world to hate you because you're black. Like, that's something I think about a lot, too. Racism. No, no, no. Like, literally, I think that racism is terrible. It exists. I'm not someone who doesn't believe in racism. Like, come on now. I 100% believe in racism. And I know it exists. But I also know that there's a choice on how you react to it. You can either be someone who decides that you're going to sit in it and be oppressed or you can live in a world that doesn't want you to win and show them that you're going to win yeah controversial topic right there it is it is i love (laughs) controversial things you know my grandmother used to always say you just love to say things to to see what my reaction is going to be yeah he even does it on this podcast right here (laughs) (laughs) well you said we could talk about anything my love we did i did so it, it came up but yes um, like I said, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. I'm not saying that, you know, police brutality doesn't exist, that black people are, um, you know, disproportionately murdered by the police, disproportionately, they, they're missing and, and not found. There's so many ways in which our community is not being, is not being given a fair chance in this world and is being taken advantage of in this world. Mm-hmm. There's also so many ways in which we can stand up for ourselves that we're not. And that's where I'm going to end on that. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you would like to say about therapy or long distance? I know that was like we went all the way down to Cancun with that. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's really important that if you are in a long distance relationship, if you're in a relationship in general, do the work. Mm -hmm. If you want the relationship to work, let, let me rephrase that. If both of you want the relationship to work, do the work get work and they are harming themselves they are sacrificing everything for a person who does not care Mm -hmm. who does not want to do that work also 
Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, I will say, though, um, in the book, The Five Love Languages, I'm pretty sure it was that book, he, there's a lady, maybe it was a different one, I don't know, there's a lady who goes to therapy, and he talks about how her husband wouldn't come to therapy. And so he told her, it's okay, you do these things, and your husband mm-hmm. will change. Mm-hmm. And so she began to work on their relationship, be a better person for her husband. And her husband was just like, you know what? You're you're being a different person for me. You're showing up in ways that I'm not showing up. And it makes me realize that. So I'm going to be a better person for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that if somebody's not showing up in your relationship to just leave them. Right. If they're not willing to do the work now to just leave them. It's really every individual situation is different. That's true. If you're being, you know, abused in any type of way, emotionally, physically, you know, you definitely want to get in therapy and to be able to identify, are you safe in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Is it just that there's trauma this person needs to work through? Or are they literally harming you mm-hmm. intentionally? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and it could be both simultaneously, but if there's harm, you may want to you know, seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it takes two people to work on a relationship, but one person has to be the catalyst for it. Yeah. And the ways that you think that you're working on the relationship might not actually be working on the relationship. Expand on that briefly. Um, it's like, I guess in a way, thinking of it as like loving someone the way you want to be loved. Okay, yep. Um, instead of loving them how they want to be loved. I think yeah. that that's a huge distinction. Um, and go ahead. No, I'm just saying that is so true. I'm just thinking about our love languages because I distinctly remember, you know, doing these things for you, acts of service. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I make your plate for you. I do this. I, You know, I, I make, make sure, make breakfast. <laughs> like, I do all these things, right? And I'm like, how do you not know that I don't love you? Like, how do you not feel loved? I did X, Y, Z, and you're just like, that'll make me feel loved. Mm-mm. You know, so you're absolutely right. Loving someone the way you want to be loved will not fill their tank. Right. Yeah, every car don't take the same gas. Right. <laughs> some some require some uh, premium. Exactly. Gas. Exactly. So I mean, like I said, relationships are work. Long distance relationships are even more work. Mm-hmm. But it's all about showing up, being intentional, and you know, just putting putting in the effort to make sure that you are trying to be the best person you need to be for yourself and the person that you're with, but yourself mm-hmm. first. Right. And foremost. You can't be anything for anybody else if you're not being that for yourself. Right. Definitely. All right. So, I mean, you want to close it out there? Um, I don't remember how we close this out typically. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just asking you if you wanted to end it. So, we can end it. We do appreciate y'all tuning in to the second episode. We are definitely going to have another um, episode uh, tune in next Monday. But until then, my name is Tayden. My name is Jada. And we are the host of the Young, Black, and In Love podcast. And we will talk to y'all next week. See you later.